Welcome, Red Spotters, to another audio commentary on our ongoing coronavirus-sponsored audio commentary series here for our network. I'm your host today, Alexis J. Soto, and I'm joined by David Francisco. David, here we have another audio commentary. Are you up for this? Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, the film we're doing today is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse which came out in 2018 and um right off the bat these fucking like opening credits right here oh. um <laughs> you just and I, I think you had this feeling too right where okay what the fuck are we about to watch <laughs> <laughs> i i had that from the trailers really right i mean oh my gosh uh, this part right here i thought it was hilarious that comic brand thing yeah it is just unlike any other comic book movie and maybe what is so i mean we'll talk about many different you know parts about the movie in terms of the characters the voice actors the story elements the animation but i think one of the first things you are just so immediately captured by is the look and the style in that this is the first animated movie that has this style of animation no other animated movie has had this style of animation oh god by the way this is Hmm. oh my god (laughs) Yeah, we'll get back to the animation. I want to mention that part which we just saw. So we're opening the movie. They throw a comic book at you. It's it's almost kind of meta in the sense because it's kind of recapping all of the pop culture things you know about this character, um, including a lot of you know famous moments from other Spider-Man movies. And I was listening to the commentary as I do for you know to prepare for these our own commentaries by Phil Lord and the other co-directors. And they were saying that that early moment, which almost got cut, by the way, um, that moment of like um, Peter Parker. By the way, this movie is moving so fast for me to catch up with it. I'm just so sorry. Yeah. But, uh, so many great things are happening. But to to focus on what I was saying about that moment where they're basically like, um, <laughs> you know, making fun of the reaction and, and how some people really hate that moment from Spider-Man three, you know, emo Peter Parker dancing and everything. Um, they were, which almost got cut. They were saying it was really crucial for that to stay in the movie. Cause that was like the first like real big joke. And people were like laughing loudly at it at the theater. <laughs> and it's like, it was really there to prepare you that this is going to be a comedy. Uh, Or that the comedy in this is going to be really good. And that may be, you know, the heart is front and center. But the comedy of this is also key to, like, selling you on what we're watching here. No, yeah. This was just kind of moving fast pace right right off from the beginning. Just telling you exactly what this movie is going to be. And it's so good. Um and for the animation, actually, I remember uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, when they were asked to make this movie, they really didn't want it. <laughs> no, they were like, no. no, could we? Why would we? <laughs> yeah. And then to kind of like get out of it, they t- basically told the 
the studio like an impossible task and which is we want to make this as accurate as comic book accurate as possible at least the animation style mm. and they expect it to be like the studios to be like uh you know what we'll just take a different direction sorry but no they were just like go ahead let's do it whatever you want <laughs> and they were just in it right there and then i thought it was a amazing piece of information for this movie and also just a great thing for the studios to just let them do whatever they want really <laughs> I mean, it is remarkable, especially with a studio with the reputation as Sony um, in terms of like being one of the more studios to willfully meddle and interfere with um, many of the creative decisions in the films themselves. It's just, you know, the the whole idea of an animated Spider-Man movie had apparently been around for a long, long time, long before the MCU Sony deal um, was made and it always just felt like a cash grab. But I mean, look at what we're just watching right now, not just in terms of the look of it, but just the scenes and the characters like already we're like what five minutes into this movie. And I'm already like really, really liking Miles Morales as like a really good character that I'm already on his side. Um, and, you know, in reference to the animation, um, it really came out at the perfect time because, you know, a lot of animated movies have just copied the whole Pixar look of it and they all just kind of, you know, look the same after a while. But this movie is so helped, not just by looking different, but when I mentioned at the top of how it looks and feels like the most comic book-y kind of movie... That is because the animation that we're looking at most um, lends itself to basically feel like as if you were reading a comic book. Even even how they move and everything, you know? Oh, I know. It's so great. Um, no, I remember this movie. This movie should have gotten like Best Picture nomination. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it really kind of pushed the boundaries of animation. Just from adding 3d effects with 2d effects but also changing the way we see depth within the movie so like i'm sure i'm sure you can even see it here just kind of like getting that almost like a 3d look the color uh separating from some of the characters it Mm -hmm. when i saw it i was kind of like oh my god this is so amazing how (laughs) could you have thought of this it's just visually striking i mean Mm -hmm. um I also do think, and I, I do believe some people were bringing it up at the point that this should have been a, a contender uh, for best visual effects. Um, even if it's an animated movie, I mean, VFX is animation, just for those who are not aware. But, I mean, this is the medium that we're looking at, this movie. And, you know, just in the, like how you mentioned, just the subtleties and how the characters interact and move. I like It's not... This this kind of animation, and I'm not even sure it does. I'm sure it does have a name. I just don't know, you know, because it's it's so new. What we're latching on and calling it to, like you know, a, a, like like a different kind of animation is stop motion, which is what Leica Animation Studios does. Um, and there is some influences, I think, from stop motion in terms of how certain characters move. But there's just more to it than that um 
in how, you know, to explain all of what we're seeing. Here we have uh, the first interaction between Miles and uh, Spider-Gwen. Um, it, it is an interesting decision um, to go with Miles Morales, and I think one that paid off in spades. You know, um, it's not just, um, <laughs> it's not just to have like the token, like, oh, the first black Spider-Man or whatever. I mean, this was, this was a fully established character in the comics. So, um, you know, before, you know, making this movie, which apparently some people were not aware of and it pissed people off that they were, they were making a Miles Morales Spider-Man movie, which they can go oh, fuck themselves. People yes. were pissed off of making a colored Spider-Man in the comics. Oh, Literally. yes. Yeah, I can imagine. Literally, the man who like sort of put the idea out there. Um, mm -hmm. His name was Mark Bernardin. He actually like wrote an article about it, being like, "Why isn't there a Black Spider-Man?" You know, and he literally got death threats, saying like, "Hey, don't you come to Comic Con?" What the fuck? Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then I I wish I can remember the name of the person who actually wrote the comic, but uh, you know he. She saw that article and kind of thought, yeah, why not? Let's do it. And he made a Miles Morales comic. And I mean, it just, it is, it's just more than just being a colored Spider-Man or anything, or really just being a Spider-Man movie at all. What are the, one of the best things about this movie is just the message of it and that anyone can be behind the mask. And as you know how they kind of, stuck to that idea in the movie hmm. it was um i saw it on a video uh i just have his name right here carrie Patton or hmm. Payton. He, he is the voice actor for cyborg in the teen titans show and he's also on walking dead he's the leader of the kingdom i don't know if you remember oh yes yes yeah him he actually went up to the writer of the comic and told them like yo uh thank you so much for making this comic ever since i was a kid uh, i always told whenever me and my friends will play superhero i always choose spider-man and they'll say no you can't be spider-man <laughs> he's white <laughs> mm. they'll tell him that and he says no you don't know what's under the mask anyone can be under the mask and he literally told that to the writer and when they made this movie that's just well, what stan lee himself would mind. often say that i've seen many different um you know, interviews with Stan Lee where he says, you know, why people love the what people love the most and why ultimately people love the character of Spider-Man is that anyone can wear the mask. And as he says in this movie, um, the suit always fits eventually. Um, yeah. Um, but there's something I think, you know, all of the history of this character you know is great and all but like to me as um you know as as mainly just a film fan and um i obviously because you know we cover this industry and everything i was aware of this character's existence in comics i know that he was brought up many times in like the donald glover cameo um in homecoming the other spider-man movie so i was familiar with what this character was but i also just think it was just the coolest thing ever to you know base it on and he's not just you know you know uh black he's also you know hispanic it's you know a biracial character a biracial family of, of sorts 
And I think there's something special about that. I mean, it's it almost as if because, of course, the message of the movie is that anyone can wear the mask. And it is, I feel, very much empowering for certain communities of color to see that uh, be someone not Caucasian for the first time with this character anyway. Which is why, you know, movies like Black Panther were par- were um, um, big for um, for those uh, people who... And that's why I always say that the power of, you know, seeing yourself on the big screen is something that can't honestly be quantified, you know, in terms of just how sheer... The sheer magnitude of the power of that, you know, it's just um, you, you honestly just you really can't measure it up and what a year this must have been for certain people um 2018 because it was both the year black panther and then this came out so truly truly empowering i feel and then also just as a character i think the filmmakers have done a great job so far at this point of so we began the film with like okay let's do this one last time kind of like mm-hmm. a joke of okay here's another spider-man movie here's another here's <laughs> here's another origin story which you know to talk about that peter parker who we don't get too much time with in this movie but um he was very much i feel yeah they, they were kind of like an amalgamation of all the different pop culture items that we associate spider-man to be but for me as a huge fan of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. The Peter Parker, while not obviously the same Peter Parker from those movies, it felt like the like the closest continuation to that, if you will, in terms of like especially certain scenes that we got from some of those movies that were definitely referenced on screen. And um it almost in some weird cosmic way again, this isn't the Peter Parker of those movies, but it feels like the continuation of that in some way. And then this part right here that we're watching where um, Miles is beginning to feel the effects of... <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> he puberty out. <laughs> that's so funny. There's By the way, we're going to be laughing a lot. There's some funny oh, stuff yeah. in this film. But what you're seeing already, the, the comic panel... Um, inspired elements that we're seeing, right? So we're seeing uh, he's he's thinking out loud more often, and we're seeing his thoughts like um, be illustrated at, in, in like these little uh, thought bubbles that we're seeing, as if we're you know basically reading a comic book. It's it's so good. I just <laughs> I I really like the transition is clear. Um, but having gone to what I said previously in the opening of the movie and then jumping straight into Miles, um, and, and one interesting uh, aspect is we begin and end Miles' story in the movie with that damn, like, Post Malone song and in a bedroom, the uh, Sunflower song, which, like, God damn, is that a catchy song. Like, they really picked a damn catchy song. Um, I've been hearing it at my work lately. <laughs> like, when the first time I heard it, really? I just took off my earphones and went, hold up, are they seriously playing this right now? No freaking way. And every time I play it, I just take off my earphones. It's right. so good. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah. This was... Yeah. Yeah. Um. So... One of my favorite scenes in the beginning was when we we missed it, but the part where he spray paints the wall uh-huh. and adds that no expectations and then it's a silhouette of his body in the middle of it. Mm. Uh, I love that scene just because um, 
I took like an art history class and I also love to draw and love art myself. So seeing that, I was kind of like, holy shit, they really just immediately showed like his character arc. <laughs> What's it going to be really? And, and honestly, been... I the art is not something I paid too much attention to. But now that you pointed out, yeah, I think um, clearly that was intentional. But yeah, that, that must speak a lot to it. I mean, it it's so helped, but I mean, it's inherent in the character of Miles in this movie. But the whole movie looks like a like an art painting almost. Oh yeah, I mean, because it is basically inspired to look or made to look like a comic book, and a comic book is printed art, mm-hmm. which is the inspiration to it. I think uh, yes. Go ahead, David. No, no I was laughing. Is the who's more Alice? <laughs> Not that dumb. <laughs> Yeah, that was a bit too stupid. Um, no, this is... Honestly, it's it's incredible to me how many versions of this fucking origin story that we've seen. And, like, uh, Homecoming, you know, by design, went out of its way to not really cover the same things that we saw in the Raimi films and then also in the um, Andrew Garfield movies. And I think it worked to its benefit there. But here they they go for the tropes, the the same tried and true um, origin story elements, because I think of the inherent nature of the story. But man, I mean, I'm just so I'm loving this. I really am. Like at no point do I feel like you know tired or exhausted. Like I've like I really have seen this in so many other Spider-Man movies because there have been so many other Spider-Man movies, and yet. And I think it gets away with it because you like Miles. And also, how do you not laugh at that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. God. Yeah. No, I mean, again, like I said in the beginning, like this movie just throws you in immediately with everything. The jokes, the story, and then the character arcs. It sucks you in. It sucks you in, yeah. And even right here, like we're just seeing the origin story, basically, right, of the comics, and he's kind of, and we're all piecing it together, like, oh shoot, <laughs> right, right, right. I love how uh, they just throw classic comic books like that on the fr- as a little bit of a transition. Yes. Oh, that's one other thing. Just the also the way it just sort of subtly and not so subtly throws in um, oh, what's the word? Uh, Easter eggs. No, not Easter eggs. Uh, sets how it sets up everything. But like when he, when we first see Gwen in the class, and they're watching that presentation, mm. and it's you see oh, yeah, talk, talk. Talk, talking about uh, the multiverse, basically, mm, and how right. it's it is going to fit in later on, and also right here in the big, and this also when you first see Spider Man, uh, Peter Parker, basically, and they throw in the comic, and then they throw this comic at at you, and it's just like it just keeps going and going to like to really setting up into something way bigger in the end which we'll get to (laughs) yeah there are a lot of things in the movie i love films that really show you what's going to happen before they happen when we get to the port the 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 part where spider-man peter parker uh this version of peter parker um his head gets like um by goblin is like injected into the collider while it's trying to start up and then we see flashes of the other spider people that we um that we will be introduced to. 
um, one of the things um, that I think perfectly describes it, because um, uh, Phil Lord was talking about this in his commentary track, which I recommend you go listen to if you really love this movie, because you get much more insight into like, you know, how many versions of the of certain scenes and, you know, making this movie. But I mean, how he described um, this style of animation is actually pretty apt. And that is, this is basically, um, um, it's made to look like 3D without having to wear glasses, is how they describe this. And then, of course, um, here we have uh, the uh, enormous Green Goblin, which, from what I understand, this is closest to the iteration from the Miles Morales comic series. This is how the Green Goblin looks like. Um, certainly not the Goblin that we're most familiar with, um, at least from the movies, are, um, are concerned. It's not the Goblin of, like, um, uh, the Itsy Bitsy Spy <laughs> from the classic <laughs> Green Goblin. I, I still love that classic Green Goblin when people, yeah. like, cringe at it, but I'm like, uh-uh, that's some 2000s cheese, and I love it right there. <laughs> Now my favorite is the the hot Osborne. The hot <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. Out yeah. am I? Oh my god. Go <laughs> go back and listen to the commentaries I, I did with Peter Martinez and Kyle Lara. We had so many of those moments like damn green goblin. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, it was in this scene that I actually got a little bit worried with the animation just because mm. they really added in that blur effect. Uh, with some of the characters, and I was kind of like, "Ooh, I hope this doesn't make me dizzy." And I don't get dizzy much, like right, when movies right. are right. So it was, it was really uh, worrying me. But let's talk about that, um, if we can, because I think that's um, for some people that could be a tad too much. I do remember, mm-hmm. you know, walking out of the film with this initial reaction of having loved it, having thought it was an amazing film and a work of art. But as some of the best works of art that we've ever seen. Um, there may have been some sections of the movie that maybe pushed it a bit too much in terms of how much they were literally throwing at your eyes. Yeah. Um, not just in terms of the blurry effect with, um, um, I mean, from what, what different effects can we mention? I mean, the whole third, the whole final battle sequence. Yes. It was a lot of colors. It was a, like, in. honestly, like the first time I saw it, I was, I couldn't, I think it was too much for me to handle quite yeah, frankly. Even- for me too. I mean, it was really just a bunch of big colors <laughs> popping up really in, everywhere. <laughs> yeah, like, and I'm um, yeah. But you you sort of forget about it later later on as the movie goes on because mm. I think it might have been intentional too in the animation because you know I think he's he's so overwhelmed by his powers, hearing everything, his whole brain is enhanced basically, and so as he hones his powers i think it kind of goes less and less of the blur effect Mm -hmm. and some of the colors i mean that third act again it goes really big with the colors but that's intentional because of it's a big action scene of course um oh my gosh this scene when (sighs) we first really see uh the first interaction between peter parker and miles yeah i absolutely loved it i yes i instantly fell in love with this peter parker just yeah. kind of like already trying to comfort him and then just ready to set him off like hey let's work together or uh, ready to train him take him take him under his wing it was so amazing 
we'll get to Kingpin and Prowler in a bit. I mean, again, we're trying to catch up with the movie, but there's so much to say about what's happening. I mean, that's why, you know, to mention that scene you were talking about, that's why to me, you know, that Peter Parker that we're seeing right there is to me is felt closest to Tobey Maguire. Um, and like that whole scene of like, Oh, um, I, I thought, I thought I was the only one. Oh, don't worry. I'll show you the ropes and everything. Like it, it has you like, it has you almost kind of semi convinced. Okay. This is the movie that I'm going to see. We're going to see Spider-Man train Miles Morales. That's your movie. Um, but no, they kill him. <laughs> they fucking kill Spider-Man. And they have a long sequence where, you know, we're seeing the death of Peter Parker in, in the memorial and then Mayor MJ and it, we'll, we'll get to it, right? But it was um, earlier on in the movie and strangely just it, it caught me kind of misty eyed, if not just out, out, outright emotional watching, you know, the death of Peter Parker, which is not something that I personally experienced um, because I don't. I have never read a version. Well, I mean, I never seen. I only see the movies, right? So I had ever, never seen that in a movie where Peter Parker, any version of Peter Parker, dies. Um, we'll have more times to talk about. Uh, oh yeah, so these black dots. I got this straight from the commentary. So apparently, when you see black dots, those are straight from the classic um, comic books. From Steve Ditko, because Steve Ditko was the artist, right? He did all the art for the Spider-Man comics, and the black dots are the 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 people behind the movie referred to them as Ditko dots because those would appear any single time something cosmic or weird was happening um, in the classic comic books with Spider-Man. So just one classic element um, from the source material that's you see it all throughout the movie. These black dots. Oh, I mean, I don't know if it was Ditko, but I remember seeing some classic, like, Avengers comics, you know, where we're dealing with, like, you know, something with the Infinity Saga, or maybe just anything with the cosmos. I do remember seeing those dots on mm. whenever something cosmic, some powerful cosmic energy is around, right. basically. Um, or right here, just setting up the dangers of this whole situation. <laughs> oh, man. And it, it, it really, it's, it's a really great moment just for miles because he's getting thrown again we just keep getting thrown into situations and story beats sorry i'm distracted no i mean i mean you get you get sucked into the film and you know we mentioned earlier like uh at some points in the movie maybe there's too much going on on screen but they get away with it largely because from the very beginning of the film as we mentioned they just this movie just hits the ground running it really does and it moves and it's just so i think what's i think most impressive is how confident the movie itself feels in its style like there's no half-assing there's like no sugarcoating or pussyfooting going around here it's it's what it is like for example Okay, so we have a this Peter Parker was voiced by Chris Pine, and he has blonde hair, so which is a huge surprise. <laughs> it's a huge surprise for me when I first heard it. I'm like, yeah, right. Wait, what? <laughs> I didn't pick that up. <laughs> Same. Um, uh, 
Oh my gosh. Uh, it's just like, I want to talk about Kingpin, but then also what's about to happen right here is pretty massive and pretty dark too, like for this movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, we could talk about Kingpin. Uh, yeah. I really liked um, the way they portrayed him. It wasn't just kind of like this big gangster guy, like it was in the Daredevil or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really liked that his whole goal was just to get his family back very different from any other villain and i mean isn't that the bitch in a way like i mean we how many comic book films have we've had by the time this was released and yet very easily and simply they were able to give one of the most emotional motivations a villain's had mm-hmm. like you do feel for him and i think it, i was also a little bit helped by you know being a big fan of the daredevil series um yeah. wilson fisk and then also the vanessa character there so it's like i'm very much helped by other iterations of these characters um and so i kind of know now to an extent what like comic book fans feel like with like certain dc movies that don't do a, a necessarily good job of like characterization but still you know the characters like batman and superman i kind of now know what that feels like more because you know with wilson fisk but again the, the movie does its own version of kingpin here in by the way the theme for the prowler <laughs> wow <Yeah. I> mean, <laughs> wow <laughs> it really does sound like prowler like the theme of the music you know like it's just kind of scared you're scared it it intensifies them at the moment and oh it's so good (laughs) so yeah i mean the motivation was definitely uh well um for that character and um even the way that he by the way we should talk about the relationship here between miles and his dad um, really, again, it, it, and I mentioned this on the decade show that we did recently, but to me, this movie in, in so many ways shows you what the best of animation can be when you have a fully formed, developed and emotional relationship between Miles and his father, who, again, we begin with them, like not seeing eye to eye on anything, having a very like friction type relationship. And yet they come closer and closer. Um, and there are some real emotional scenes in this movie between two animated characters that I think far exceed some of the most emotional scenes we've seen from live action characters. <laughs> yeah. Like, wow, <laughs> that just blows my mind. And I yeah. think it also, it gets me mad when people like dismiss this medium. Like there was an interesting thing. I was just listening to a video real quick about, um, you know how certain audiences from around the world see animation whereas like the japanese i mean with anime and everything right they really like worship at the at the altar of animation shall we say but like even though while anime while um while american audiences you know do spend money to go see animated movies generally people do view the medium of animation as a kids outlet and nothing more than that even in this day and age Oh yeah, it's. I mean, it's. I mean, it, it, it's animation. It really is just art. You know, this whole movie, it, it pops up so many different mediums of two D and three D, and and it just combines animations and comic books in 
to something really beautiful. And uh, to me, the way, but to me, the best way to describe this type of art of animation is abstract almost mm. because you know, it kind of, it uses the form to sort of put in everything into one screen, not just like emotions, but also surroundings and reactions from other characters. And that's basically kind of what abstract art is. It's sort of uh, most famously Picasso's, his form of abstract is to kind of like show every, if he's, if he's drawing a person, he shows everything from all sides mm-hmm. from like the eyes to the back of the head and like the back but also just like if it's a piano you're also seeing behind it that's basically how abstract art is and i think that's the best way to describe this type of animation you know forgive me if i'm getting a little bit emotional here but i'm just like continuously just swept by the moment of these scenes right here i you know especially when this when the film was released it was not long after stan lee had passed away and, you know, just the the lines he had right there. You know, I, I knew him, you know. I'm going to miss him. <sighs> I mean, that was, I mean, I, God, I, I remember watching that and just feeling overwhelmed with emotion, just welling up with tears. Like, man, like what what an amazing man Stan Lee was. And it, it, it honestly makes me want to cry right now thinking that he's not with us anymore. Because that man was like everything that you'd want to be, right? Like 95 years of living um, as great as he did and as happy as, well, as happy as we thought he, this was so, oh my God, <laughs> this killed, <laughs> this killed the fucking stairs, this killed, oh my God. But yeah, yeah, Stanley, um, we miss you. I, I really miss Stanley. Yeah, I wish yeah, he was no, still I- around. It's uh, it was crazy timing that cameo, yeah. seeing that cameo, just and it's so emotional. Everything yeah. he said, it everything he said, like it hit everyone who was huge fan of him or just knew him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the goober. The goober. I know, right? <laughs> no, the, you, honestly, the this. I know the main things that we all talked about, you know, the animation, the characterization, the heart, the emotion, those get discussed enough, but maybe what's not discussed enough and what may be underappreciated is the fucking humor. Mm-hmm. This movie is like, there were moments last night cause I, you know, I rewatched the movies before I sat down and record them with you. Um, there were moments, this is like late at night and I'm just like, some real moments where I just like bust out laughing. And I mean like laughing hard and laughing loud. Mm. Um, like particularly with um, Spider-Ham later on in the movie. <laughs> oh, when he first introduced, oh, it's oh, great. God. <laughs> yeah. And one other, we're going to get to here is um, the next Spider-Man. Um, Peter B. Parker from a different um, alternate reality. And this came out before I became like a diehard fan of the television series New Girl. Um, are you familiar with the show? Yes, uh, I've seen it all. Oh my god. Um and had I seen New Girl before um this movie and if I were to have like been involved with the making of this movie and thinking who to cast for this Peter B Parker character, I could think of no better than Jake Johnson because Jake Johnson who plays Nick on the show new girl 
perfectly encapsulates the kind of curmudgeon, middle-aged, <laughs> I don't give a fuck, I'm done with life attitude, um, washed up has been, but underdog that you still root for a uh, persona. Than Jake Johnson, like he is mm-hmm. perfect yeah. for this character. <laughs> and look at how quick this goes! Like it's it, throwing so much at you. I mean, information. It, damn, it, this is why he's so perfect, though. Like he's moving it fast, but it right, sounds right. funny. And like, even though everything we see, like his life is going down, <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> but he somehow makes it funny like ma- moving super fast and making us go oh shoot oh god and you're laughing at the same time right here uh no i you know it's like it's like right before he goes to the portal it's I, all johnson love... though johnson's so great at doing this yeah you know like, transitioning yeah go ahead it's like the um the way he delivered like the last line before he goes to the portal mm-hmm. it was hilarious because you can hear like the bullshit coming out of his mouth <laughs> <laughs> <Wait. laughs> like I'm doing pushups getting, getting ab crunches <laughs> oh my gosh yeah also go watch new girl i love yeah. new girl um i uh you know, I get a little bit, I mean, emotional and also slash embarrassed, but like, um, New Girl is like one of those shows like Parks and Recreation where like, it's mm-hmm. one, it's kind of like that dramedy, comedy, um, type show that I get so invested in. And then when I finish the shows, I'm like notorious for having like this post-mortem depression that sets <laughs> in. And I'm like, cause like to me, you know, and I, that's why I, kind of distance myself from like tv shows nowadays mainly because Mm -hmm. when i get really attached to characters um oh my god do i have a hard time letting go (laughs) (laughs) um like it's like it's so hard and then they're not like when you watch them every single day especially if you're binge watching those shows and then they're gone and then you're like wow i feel so left alone Mm-hmm. So yeah, go watch New Girl. Yeah, but yeah, this this uh, this Peter B. Parker. It, it's just again, it's also just the uh, the novelty of seeing a Peter Parker that's middle aged and fat and and kind of a loser. Mm. But I mean, a a, a good hearted loser. But like, <laughs> you've never seen a Peter Parker that's just been such a what would I think <laughs> what most people would consider an abject failure at life mm. right i mean also this is just kind of just it's ridiculous but also but it works so well just yeah. you know getting away from the cops and everything and just but again it works with animation yeah Oh, one of the things that one of the directors mentioned in the commentary is that anytime you see a train go by um, there's some kind of a Stanley like cameo in there, uh, uh, like a, a like a portrait or a painting of Stanley oh. on the train. So, which you know can be hard to see considering yeah. how fast paced this movie is. Like, look how look how amazing this looks, and then how quickly we're just like blowing past it. Hmm. And I think uh, one of the directors might have been a New Yorker or whatever, but they were saying that. 
oh god he fucked up his face um they were they were saying that this this felt exactly like how new york would feel like this time of year entering all this traffic Mm -hmm. i actually like um the subtle differences of this universe from like ours so i think Mm. uh it's not nypd i think it's pdny or something oh i didn't notice that yeah i saw that and i don't know what else that's really just the only one that really stood out to me but i'm sure there are i think there there's i i there's if you look in the background um there i think um the album cover for one of the weekend's albums Hmm. is there somewhere apparently stanley is walking right here with his phone in this crosswalk so maybe we'll see him yeah um, i did see him (laughs) um i think like the weekend is featured in one of the posters in the back but he's not called The Weeknd. I, I don't know. That could be one of the, It could or could not be. But yeah. Um, and there's just part of me that um, can't help but like identify with um, with Peter B. Parker's personality. Like the way like he treats... Um, I'm not sure this is a good thing or a bad thing. But the way that he treats um, Miles right here... Um, is how I treat some people. Um, I treat some kids necessarily. I mean, not little kids. I mean, kids like are my old age. I mean, it's how I talk to some people. Let's say if I have a class that I'm subbing for, the dynamic could be very much borrowed from this, which is why kind of like, to me, the character that I kind of identified most with in New Girl was definitely Nick. I love Nick. And there were mm-hmm. parts of him like, you know, and how he sees the world that, scarily enough, like really were like close to mine. And so with Peter B. Parker here. Um, yeah. But then it's like, it's like the reason why I so connect with him is like, yeah, like he, he has like this really curmudgeon like exterior, but like the more their relationship develops, the more you realize he really is just a big softy. Like he does have a heart there and he really, even though he doesn't like to show it, like, you know, he's a yeah. big teddy bear almost. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, I think B. Parker is uh, a, a lot older than uh, this Peter Parker. I think at least 20 years older. 20, yeah, I think I heard that too. And so he just got too many hits from him and kind of, is he, he's just tired, basically, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So it's very understandable for his his character to be like this. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And, it, and again, <laughs> Jake Johnson. I mean, he just delivers it so fucking well. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think one of the big things that he talks about in terms of like, um, oh yeah, in his intro montage about why his uh, marriage with MJ failed was because she wanted kids and he didn't. Mm-hmm. And then here we have him growing with his relationship with Miles. And then it was so hilarious to me. I was laughing so hard, because, but it ended up working so well in the moment and then so well for his character arc. But like, there's a point like late in the third act where like, you know, miles has come back. He's rose to the occasion. And then out loud, he says, do I want kids? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, cause it's like, you know, he is kind of a father figure of sorts. Mm-hmm. There are also moments that we'll see later on where he's, um, you see like, the the veneer kind of like uh wear off uh there's a scene in the bus 
where Miles is talking with Gwen and like, you know, you tell he can really, he really likes her. She might like him too. They think he's asleep and then it cuts to him and he's like listening to the entire conversation. And you can tell, by the way, hilarious right there. But <laughs> whoever that person was, he must've been on acid or something. It was what he was, what I would think anyway. But to the scene that I was talking about, you could tell that like Peter B. Parker was thinking of like his younger days with MJ. Um, and like, yeah, so it's that thing of like not wanting kids until you might want them kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry if I went on, on a long diatribe that was just, no, <laughs> just talking fine. about it's, the it's, character. We're going to be silent for a few moments just cause we're so distracted by this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I love the, 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 uh, some, some movies have this effect where it's like, it reminds you there's a camera in front of them. Right, I, I love that little touch where, you know, Peter Parker bit, you know, that burger and then part of the sauce just splattered on the camera. Oh, yeah. <laughs> By the way, that food looks great. Oh, my like, God, yeah, right? I It looked delicious when it's I It's rare it. to find an animated movie not named Ratatouille that makes food look so good. Mm-hmm. And that burger looked delicious. Yeah. Like, I like, so good, I might want it right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this joke right here. It's like, oh, let's, <laughs> let's swing over there. And he's like, what are you saying? We're just going to get tired on the way over there. I love that, that touch of him just laughing in his face. Like, yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> like, no joke. That's how I treat some people. I mean, it's like, <laughs> that's not happening. <laughs> So I guess um has there been a Spider-Man that wore a cape? Uh well we do see one, remember, later on in this movie. Mm-hmm. Where it's like a purple suit and has a cape. And they're all based on real iterations of Spider-Man from what I can tell. Yeah. I think so. Oh my gosh, this one has like one of the funniest jokes right here. We're literally seeing a comic book panel right here. Yeah, this joke. <laughs> <laughs> Re-examine my person. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh God, this movie is so great, man! It really is. And oh God, that fucking bagel—that bagel uh, gets a lot of screen time. Yes, um, oh, in this entire section. I don't know if you ever saw it, but like when he throws at one point, he actually throw—he actually gets the bagel and throws it at someone. Yeah, the person that it lands on, you actually see the word bagel. <laughs> so yeah, I like, saw that. I was like, oh my God, that's oh so great. God, it's so but good. It, I was laughing at because when um when Peter and Miles run out of the lab, um. And all those people realize who they are and they start chasing him. <laughs> um, like one of what a like so th- he has the hard drive, but then one of the girls chasing him was like, Bring back that bagel. It's, it's, oh it's my like he stole God. a bagel. <laughs> also the character design we should talk about the character design of uh, Kingpin here because what I've uh, it was so interesting hearing Phil Lord talk about this in the commentary. And it kind of clicks when when he says that his design in this in this movie like why he's basically just like this big head i mean this head on this big body it's like he's a black hole that's what his character oh. is now because there's there's nothing left to him after vanessa and his son were gone and that's all he spends this movie going after and even though like 
but that's kind of why he looks that big and huge and why it's just like a big black suit. It's like he's just nothing but a black hole. Mm-hmm. That's, that's interesting. That's really yeah. cool. I love it. There already is a black hole. It's right there yeah. in front of you. Oh, nice. <laughs> so Liv, or as her personal friends call her Liv, but mm-hmm. um, Doc Ock. There's actually, again, the, just listening to them talk about this movie, there's so many clues about her. Like, her glasses are octangular shaped. Oh, my God. They're not, they're not, even, they're not square. They're not circular. It's, it's a literal oh. octagon. <laughs> oh, octagon lights. <laughs> what the uh-huh. heck? Oh, right? my God. <laughs> I see this is what I mean like they're so subtle but also not so subtle right right <laughs> so great I love it I had noticed these things I mean I it, they're, they're so subtle or maybe so obvious that your brain just doesn't register it the first few times but like looking at it now it's like how could I have missed this yes Yeah, so like like right here, I'll mention it when we get to the scene, but it's really important when he says you need to relax. That's why like he's getting stuck, mm. and like I'll just remember that. I'll I'll bring it up okay. later on. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> apparently oh, so. they had a hard time um deciding they had a hard time animating him being invisible from what i heard really they couldn't decide how to like because there are certain kind of invisibilities i know it doesn't sound like it'd be hard right but apparently it was like it took a long time mm-hmm. you were saying uh no, no, no it was just i was just kind of laughing <laughs> oh i thought you were gonna say something Mm-mm. so right here we already spoiled it but this is dr octavius from this mm-hmm. universe and how surprised were you when when that reveal happened i kind of was like i was two ways about it i was like kind of screaming in my head oh my god this fucking movie yes and then i was like oh okay then of course <laughs> of course <laughs> of course right like like i was like i was of two minds in the sense that i was so excited but then part of me kind of Something must have registered to where, like, it wasn't that big of a shock, but still it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, like, I mean, again, I have a very limited, like, knowledge of comic book lore, so I'm not aware of, like, a female version of Doc Ock. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, who gives a shit, right? Like, she's yeah, cool. Yeah, no, um, I don't think it matters of the knowledge, but, well, I mean, I guess it does if you've seen, like, the Sam Raimi ones, or maybe you've right, right. uh, heard of it, and it's just kind of like a big surprise that's like oh this is dr octavius nice like a, it's a great change i think what was most surprising though is what she says right here i can't wait to watch. yeah if you think i love how miles is like what the fuck yes. <laughs> and then uh, this i mean uh i love i actually love her versions of the tentacles it's like yes. it looks plastic and it just constantly extends. Who knows mm-hmm. how, to, how but they far? They also look alive. Yeah, uh, yeah. It looks like it's kind of pulsating, like the mm-hmm. blood flowing or something. I don't know. Right. <laughs> also, Miles, you do realize you only need the damn hard drive. <laughs> yes. Or you don't need the monitor. You can. Okay. We're gonna keep referencing jokes here, but like when he says, "It's like good news. We don't need the monitor." 
and here's Gwen working at the lab. Wasn't um, wasn't in the uh, the Andrew Garfield Emma Stone version? Wasn't she also working at a lab? Yeah, where they were having like the lizard guy or whatever it was. Yeah, okay. I don't know. If that's how she is in the comics, but um... but in that movie anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so there are some similar like tropes that they you know recycle here, but they mm-hmm. still work so well. But again, just more clues like, oh, this character is obviously somebody. And of course, here we have the bagel. Selecting a bagel? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it though, right here. It's like, there's regular scientists and all of a sudden... <laughs> and they fucking like go all Rambo and shit. They have their, their fucking briefcases turn into fucking like AK-37. <laughs> Bagel. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, we're just gonna, gonna keep refer- uh, pointing out the jokes here. So <laughs> I mean, but they're so funny and they're so they're good. So we hilarious. have to. We just yes. have to. Mm. All right, here. I love. I love the fun fact of they animated Peter B. Parker going sixty frames per second, mm-hmm. and uh, Miles going thirty frames per second, just to show the differences between their technique. Uh, really? Uh, yeah. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Just to show I the love differences between like that. I really do. Yes, it's so great. <laughs> it was apparently a, 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 one of the animators was like confused with the directors because they didn't ask to animate the trees rustling, like wind rustling, because mm. they didn't want that for some reason because it just would have taken away from the uh, the style of it. So mm. they just. I guess it would have in some way, although I'm not sure how big of a difference that would be, but they didn't, yeah. they, there was a, it was a particular choice to not have any wind to make the, the leaves on the trees rustle. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, I think you see them move still when they're swinging around. Of course, of course. Them. I mean, I mean, so, again, they're, they're trees. Yeah. I, it was just an interesting point that I heard from the commentary that was a little bit contentious. So we're like, what? You don't want them to move? I'm like, mm. okay. Uh, I this love scene. this moment. Oh it's yes, so great! You're seeing them bond. You see the beginning of their relationship. You see them really like they're actually more simpatico than you know what, a, especially what a Peter Parker thought initially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you're the student, but just not as good. Just <laughs> not as good. God damn! Uh, uh, God. Uh, oh yeah, we great. should also mention. The introduction. introduction. Oh yeah, the my introduction. God. Talk about Spider Gwen. Yeah, I mean, oh. it's just so great. I mean, it it starts with like a little rock rock band melody, and she just swoops right in, kicking it's ass. It's literally like like a, a rock star entrance. Yeah, that's what it is. Right. Just listen to the music. <laughs> and it's so. I think the uniqueness of this movie is so helped. Not just, you know, the the concept of an alternate reality is not anything new. Mm-hmm. But what they do with it in the media of, of animation is that all of the different spider people are animated differently. Yeah. And they move differently and they look differently. They, they literally do look like they're from different universes. Mm-hmm. I feel like Gwen is really different from Miles in that she's they're heading more towards like that Pixar style animation with her, I feel. Because I think with Miles, like like you said, like it it does kind of look like a stop motion. Like he looks kind of like mm-hmm. a clay, mm-hmm. and so I kind of like her. Just a very subtle difference between him and between her and Miles. Right, but then also a different touch in the universe that she lives in. Look at how glowy it looks. Yeah, like, it's just so different. Oh, from... it's Jessica Jones purple. <laughs> Basically, yeah, yeah, mm, that's cool. 
It actually, even the background actually looks like her opening, if you remember Jessica Jones's opening. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's very oh. much Jessica Jones, yeah. Which, go watch that show. I only I only ever saw season one, but it was a great season. I love yeah. Jessica Jones. Uh, at least watch the first season. <laughs> Did you watch? Oh, thank you. We, we talked about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was years ago, but yeah. I've seen all of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I think one difference they made with her. Uh, oh, man. What was she? A gymnast or a dancer in this movie? In terms of like her background? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she was uh, a dancer. Well, all I know is that her, her background, because I, I had assumed wrongly when she said later in the movie that like her Uncle Ben was losing Peter Parker because in her universe, she's the one that gets powers and Peter Parker doesn't. And mm-hmm. the way that it goes, as they explained in the commentary, is that Peter was jealous of Gwen and then Peter kind of became a villain in that universe. Mm. Dang. Yeah. No, but I remember um, in the com, it, she doesn't have this uh, thing in the comics, but in this movie, I think they made her like a dancer or a gymnast. And it's right. why she kind of has like these ballerina type shoes on her suit. But Makes also sense. the way that she moves, it's, uh, um, oh, it's, she moves kind of like a dancer basically. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, and at one point where all the spider people are uh, talking to Miles, see if he has if he's capable of doing what needs to be done. I think with her, she says, "Can you move with the grace of a of a dancer?" Basically, something like that. We'll go to it. So I, I think it was just like a like, nice little touch that they added to her character. Certainly, animation is not easy. Mm-hmm. It isn't. But all these things you just described could not have been any easier to do. <laughs> and one slight touch what I what I did pick up from the commentary track is all of the facial expressions in this movie they were drawn on two there were there were two that's literal 2D that you're seeing um but you have the the 3D on top of it so it's like multi-dimensional oh my God. <laughs> the, the expressions of the characters in this movie also I love how um Doc Ock could hold her own against um Kingpin there yeah. Um she's not like the silly happy go lucky person. Like she's a serious like threat. And so Oh yeah. You get that right from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, this is the scene that I was alluding to earlier. Yeah, yeah. Cuz uh yeah, he's listening the whole time. And yeah, I mean there 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 are very subtle differences between how they move and interact. I mean, just the different uh with with Gwen and with Miles. Oh, and I would not mention Haley Steinfeld. Haley Steinfeld, oh, yeah. everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually I've seen on YouTube at least uh, Spider Gwen in the I guess it was like a Disney DX show or some type of short where Dove Cameron voiced Spider Spider Gwen and she did pretty good. Uh, and honestly, there's no difference between the two. Like I don't know what it is. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but like both Haley Steinfeld and Dove Cameron did a great job of. Just kind of portraying a teenage, uh, uh, <laughs> I guess, teenage rock star. Spy, right, right. <laughs> Spider and, I mean, Gwen. Think about like Dove Cameron. She would make an amazing live action Spider Gwen. Oh, uh, just sure. she has the look of it, and definitely the, from what we saw from Agents of Shield, the physicality uh, to go along with it. Also, the legendary Lily Tomlin as uh, Aunt May. They get some big names for these characters. 
uh, Lily Tomlin, if you're not aware, she's uh, she's these days you can catch her on the show Grace and Frankie on Netflix, um, and other stuff, of course. Um, I love the dig up the sweatpants. Um, no, but Haley Steinfeld, to me, she's one of the most like interesting people working today because of the different projects that she picks. You know, I just saw last year The Edge of Seventeen. Oh my God, what an amazing movie! What an amazing film! And she's great in everything that she does. I mean, she was, I think, a big part of why I liked Bumblebee so much. Like, she just picks different kinds of movies, different kinds of roles. She's just always good in anything. And, of course, I do want to mention it now before uh, I forget. And I should have mentioned, I mean, a big part of why we love Miles is because, you know, Shamik Moore, who does you know, the voice of Miles, is just so great. Um, like, there's, like, there's these subtle, like, um, like... He just makes Miles feel like a real person. By the way, um, I guess this was like inspired by the comics, but like to me, I, I literally just thought, "Oh, Batcave, B- Spider-Man Batcave." <laughs> like that's kind of what I what I was thinking. I mean, isn't that more or less what it is? <laughs> it's yeah. a Batcave for Spider-Man. It's a Spider Cave. Yeah. No, I think oh, it's just way, shows. Real subtle right here, because like a lot of a lot of the music in the movie is off a great soundtrack. But there's also um, Pemberton, who did the score for this movie, you know, really seamless. Oh, my God. There's so many things. That look right there that she just gave um, Miles and, and Peter, just like that knowing look of, you know, the the blossoming dynamic of their relationship was so good. But, yes. but the score was orchestrated and, and, and written in a way um, to really, like, uh, go along with the songs that we see in the movie. To where it's mm-hmm. like you forget sometimes where you're, um, if you're hearing the score, if you're hearing the songs, because um, this film has a great soundtrack as well as oh, a great yes. score. No, I remember when I said in Infinity War we were talking about the score in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I said that in the Marvel MCU, the score only tries to work in favor of the action scenes, just right. to kind of get you hyped up of a big moment or just any other action scene, and with any other movie. Or at least with Infinity War, you know, this, the music tried to tell a story. In it. Right. This one does it so, so perfectly. If you, um, yeah. So I'm sure uh, if, if everyone's listening to this, but you probably missed it. But in the beginning, you kind of, or actually you heard it here. You kind of get like a, I wish I could do the beat like. Well, even this, this, this right here, this theme, every single time the spider people realize they've encountered more people like them. Mm hmm. No, but uh, this one though, like in the beginning, when you when you see Peter Parker of this universe, you know you get his theme going on, and then when you first meet Miles, you don't hear a theme; you just hear you hear a song, and it was yeah. uh, Sunflower. When his big arching moment where he finally becomes um, Spider Man, they combine both Peter Parker's and a song into his into that into that scene to sort of show that both. The superhero world and his world are finally together. Like, and you'll, I'm sure you'll subtly notice it when mm-hmm. that thing comes up. But it's again, this this movie is so perfect. <laughs> it really is. Shout out John Mulaney's great as Spider Ham, and of course Nick Cage, legendary Nick Cage as Noir Spider Man. Oh my fucking god, I was going insane. Yeah, like when this happened, and to think that. There was a serious discussion. They mentioned this in the commentary chat, but there was a serious discussion had by the directors of the movie 
and like are you sure you want to have you want to include noir spider-man penny parker and uh peter porker um because and, and i think understandably mm-hmm. there's a risk of this movie getting just too much out of hand and like out of control um and this could have been one of those moments where the movie just like f- like it's crushed by the weight of its own um premise basically but it's incredible i mean i think what what helped <laughs> <laughs> Here I am stopping an amazing killer job. <laughs> Nick Cage. Every single line they give Nick Cage, I feel that. Oh my god. But um uh what was I saying? There was definitely a danger for this to have all fallen apart. And I think what they what the film established so far in, in how it introduced Peter B Peter Parker, Peter B. Parker and Spider Gwen it laid the groundwork for seamlessly, seamlessly introducing three pretty drastic um, alterations on Peter Parker. I mean, how how different are these fucking characters from anything we've... Like, you think about, you know, from the perspective of Spider-Man fans who only know the movies, just think about how mind-blowing these different iterations are. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I... I... Oh, see, she said it right there. Grace of a trained dancer. That's what she says. And that's that's one slight difference that they added to her. <laughs> the fuck? Uh, I was going to say something. I, uh, I was oh. too, but then the movie happened. Yeah. Uh, how crazy is it that this movie was able to establish like a bunch of villains, but also a bunch of superheroes together when the live action ones couldn't try setting up Sinister <laughs> 6 and it just completely failed like this is why animation works though <laughs> honestly I'm amazed at how many so we've got the Green Goblin we've had Doc Ock we have Kingpin Tombstone Scorpion and the Prowler right those are our main villains we use in the movie holy shit like it, it's they like, talk about the history of of Sony and, and their Spider-Man movies I mean Part of the reasons why Amazing Spider-Man 2 crashed and failed miserably was because it, it established one too many villains. It couldn't even establish the main villain, right? But then it had so many throwaway villains there, too. They were even making a whole... Remember years ago, there were rumors of um, Sinister Six. That was a big movie that was, you know, that they were seriously going to go and make, but they couldn't... Um, they couldn't do that because, you know, Amazing Spider-Man 2 was so disappointing that they were literally, that's what ended up being the turning point for Sony to go to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and make a deal. Because they were so, they were so shocked by the, by the res- the response to Amazing Spider-Man 2 that they were like, okay, we need to go, we need to do something different here. I, and I love that. I, I think it's funny. I was probably kind of sad that it's a pattern with Sony, because I feel like when uh, when they first started making Spider-Man with the Sam Raimi, they kind of just let him do whatever he wants. I, right. I, I don't know much about the um, what went into the production of this, but I feel like they just kind of let him do whatever he wants, set up set up this character, and like with this movie do, we're talking about here, no, no, with Raimi. the Sam Raimi. Raimi ones, okay. And, you know, it was a huge success, and I think they kind of let him do whatever he wants again, and then that's when they meddled in Spider-Man 3. And with uh, 
Amazing Spider, uh, yeah, the Amazing Spider-Man, they meddled with the movie because they thought, oh, MCU is there. Let's let's kick it back up. Let's like let's make some money with this. And then they saw the failure of it, and I and I I think they really did this with with Spider Verse. Like I said, you know the uh, what is it, Phil Lord and Chris Muller. Mm-hmm. You know they didn't want to do this. They wanted um, uh, they they tried t- telling them something impossible that they they wouldn't agree to. But they went, yeah, do whatever you want. That's basically what they did, and it was a huge success again. Like <laughs> wanna, I want to take this time to um, and thank you for bringing them up. Just to clarify for people, because it's important to really recognize the people who were the directors and the writers. Uh, Phil Lord was definitely one of the writers and one of the directors. We were also accompanied by different other people. Rodney Rothman was a writer and then also a director. And you have other, you have uh, three other co-directors, actually two other co-directors with Peter Ramsey and with Bob Prichetti. So, and of course, uh, Chris Miller uh, was producing the movie. So it's like you have a lot of people who've come together to make, you know, into the Spider-Verse, which is, it's crazy, right? Because normally, normally a film that had that many writers and directors well, writers, but I mean, but a film that has like four directors is not normally associated with being a good thing, because the, the usually the, the the thing that you hear most often is, "Oh, there's too many cooks in the kitchen," and like the film feels like it was written by like different kinds of people, and then it feels like so like mishmash. But the opposite in this case, it's true, where this is just a master cohesive piece. Mm-hmm. Oh, we talked about the the theme of the prowler, and then also the look of the prowler. Oh my god! <laughs> it is, and of course, it. Oh, the reveal of it being Uncle Aaron. We just oh. saw that. Did, did did you expect that? Like, uh, no, I think I heard about it before the uh, before the movie came out. Look how this looks. Oh man! Look how this. this is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I actually no, no, no. I remember now. I, I knew he was a villain. I just didn't think they were going to do it in this movie. So it was, Oh, okay yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So it was a huge surprise for me that uh, he was a prowler. And we missed it. But like that when the reveal happened and you get his like theme music going. and But they right. also added like uh, almost like a little tragic of a theme when there was here. four miles knowing that right. his uncle's a villain. Ugh, it's so good. <laughs> that girl was like chewing bubblegum and eating popcorn at the same time. Ugh. <laughs> also, I I know I didn't realize um, until they pointed it out. But you, what we just saw right there, Penny Parker, when she handed um, Peter the goober, I did not realize she had like rollerblades on her shoes. No way. No, literally, because she if you look if you go back and rewind the scene, she's not walking because she was in the kitchen. She didn't walk to them; like she rolled to them. Isn't that amazing? I did yeah. not realize that until they pointed it out in the commentary mm-hmm. track. Yeah, uh, I want to play some jokes that they made. Um, what is it? Nick Cage's character. He's you he playing with the Rubik's Cube. And <gasps> because he lives in the black and white world, he has yes. no idea what the colors are. So he's like, is this blue? No. Is this blue? No. Gosh darn it. And then he also added that one joke when he explained who the problem was. And he's like, that's a pretty hardcore origin story. <laughs> I laughed so <laughs> fucking hard. Oh, it was like, cause yeah, it's a pretty great origin. Story. <laughs> yeah. Also, we missed it, but we you don't know pick how... the ballroom. We just dance. Oh my, <laughs> oh fucking my god. god, it's so great. But um, you know how Doc Gock said, "Only her, my friends call me Liv." Mm-hmm. Uh, when she came into the house, uh, 
Aunt May Aunt literally May. says, oh, look, it's Liv. So it's like, are you friends with her? <laughs> uh, I think uh, the implication was the, there's a long history there, right? Because, yeah. you know, Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. It could be so, that, too. Oh, my gosh. Right. I love this scene. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Aunt May. Yeah. Let's do it. You know, one of the funniest things um, that came out of those, like, very, you know, publicized leaked rumors, or actually, no, not rumors, but official, like, leaked emails out of the studio, Sony, was that there was serious consideration to make a standalone Aunt May movie. Oh, my God. Remember that? Uh, <laughs> they rev- <laughs> yeah. uh, like, I mean, like, like I was talking about when Sony, like, meddles in and it turns into a big failure. I or I, f- I could be wrong, but I feel like we're going to start seeing that again because of the success of this movie. It is a pattern and, that unfortunately seems to repeat itself, right? Yeah. I hope not. I really hope not because Same. I think a lot of the, the people who worked on this movie are returning mm-hmm. for the subsequent sequels and series that we're doing. So I, I really am keeping my fingers crossed that they're they're going to be fine. Yeah, same. You know? But it's not just like the sequel to this one, but I know they're trying to make other animated... Spin-offs. Spin-offs. Maybe even series. Those are the um, ones that I'm really worried about. Yeah, I mean, there mm. is obviously a risk of it just being too big. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, and uh, this was a big moment here. Oh my gosh. Oh, It's, where, um, it's so intense, just because once he realizes who... Once the uncle realizes that it's Miles, he's just so basically heartbroken for what he sees and what he's doing. And he knows, because he gives a no, he knows that Kingpin is going to kill him for not killing but his also, nephew. But also right here when Miles is talking, he can't breathe. Like, he's literally holding him still, like, super tight around his neck. Yeah. It's insane. Oh, my God. That's a regular Ezra Miller. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to. I had to get him choked out. That was good. <laughs> I had to, man. It was just right there. Holy shit. Oh, wow. That was good, <laughs> go, look up, go look about the news, Ezra Miller. Yeah. Um, that yeah. was... <laughs> um, we should point out, before we lose him, um, they got the great Mahershala Ali to voice the character of Uncle Aaron. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are familiar with who he is, right? Yes, yes. Mahershala, <laughs> yeah, Mahershala, yeah, he's gonna be Blade. Like, Mahershala is one of the best actors working today, just down and simple. And they were talking about in the studio booth when they were recording the lines how, like, how into it Mahershala got uh, with this scene right here. How much of a method actor he really is. And it also, it didn't really occur to me until, like, recently reviewing it, but, like, this is a great, like, dichotomy. Maybe not dichotomy is the right word, but it's a nice, like, parallel. This sequence right here, um, Uncle Aaron dying in front of Miles is basically just a different version of Uncle Ben dying in front of Peter Parker. Um, Only in different circumstances, but in, in essence, it does play the same part here you're on your way miles it's 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 emotional but this is the beginning of uh spider-man for him and then there's also it is god they also told the animators to make him ugly cry so the this isn't supposed to be an attractive sequence here so they can just make him like go all the way 
Yeah. So this is his father. Um, they're about to. I always thought that when he when he sees his brother Aaron, Aaron's um, body laying there, I get the impression because you can tell, and it's not said, but you can tell that there's been a very distant relationship between um, Aaron and Miles's father. And I think um, when he realizes that's his brother's body laying there, I kind of like, for me, it was like, oh, so the reason why he knows, like he knows his brother, he didn't, he didn't seem surprised that Aaron's in a fucking like bird costume or something. I don't know what it is, but like, like, oh, okay. So you've known. And the reason why you're so distant with him is because, you know, you're, you're a cop and he's a fucking like criminal and everything. So yeah. You can tell, like, no, that's kind of what would drift them apart. And I get just, just very subtle, but you know, you can know, you know exactly what the relationship be- between between them are. Yeah, and it's just tr- really tragic. Um, And here we have, this was actually to me one of the more surprising emotional scenes because you have all the different spider people. No one knows. Like when, when she says, we're the only ones who know exactly how you feel right now. And, you know, they all talk about this, the people that they've lost that have, you know, lit the flame for them to be who they are. When they cut right now to to Spider-Ham, that to me was was strangely emotional. The hardest part about this job, you can't always save everybody. Remember, that's something that Steve Rogers says, I think, in Civil War to Wanda um, about, you know, the hardest thing is you can't, we can't always save everybody. And that's the hardest thing here. But an interesting aspect, oh God, the fucking, (laughs) the roommate here. I love when he asks, uh, do animals talk in this universe? I don't want to freak out. Of course, they had to like knock him out and shit. But, you know, there was actually, that scene right there, it was actually important because with Spider-Ham, because when, when, when they all turned to him and he's like, Miles, the hardest part about this job is you can't save everybody. That was a real emotional moment. Originally, that was not supposed to be that way. It was supposed to be another joke. And what they found is that at that point, people really didn't like that character going forward because he was just silly the entire time. Mm-hmm. So I think it it really the the commentary track um, does insinuate that that character um, really lived and died on that moment and selling that moment. He's a fucking pig, right? And it's like yeah. that's actually the most emotional line in that sequence. And here's this. Uh, sorry for being quiet. Uh, this is quite the scene. These it's one of the most important scenes, honestly. It really is. And um, 
you know, it's like, it's important to show them. It's like, sometimes I think people might get the impression that they're being really mean to Miles, but really that scene that we just saw all of them hanging out by the window is like, no, they just, they don't want him to get hurt. Mm-hmm. And he's not ready. Yeah. And it would be irresponsible for them to let him come along. Um, That's, again, another one of the most important, it's one of the most important lines. The, it's a leap of faith, Miles, is all it is. And you know what? That's just, it's just so symbolic for just life in general. It's like no one knows exactly. No, you can't prepare for the kind of instances that set, you know, a match to what the rest of your life will be like. Mm-hmm. It, it'll happen when it happens. And to me, and that Kyle Lira is a big fan of, you know, on our, on our network here, is a big fan of this movie. Mm-hmm. He's a big fan of that line. He always says that whenever he, he hears that line, it's it's a leap of faith, Miles. All it is, like he's nearly in tears. Yeah. So I mean, like this movie really, really did hit a nerve uh, for a lot of people. This scene right here, uh, it, it, this oh, is wow. my absolute favorite scene it, because yeah. I mean the voice acting on him is is so great. You know how much she wants to cry and he just wants to connect to his son so badly. Uh, but for me though, when he says, uh, sorry, hold on. Uh, I'm trying to remember the exact line that he says, because I don't want to get it wrong. I see the spark in you. It's amazing. It's why I push you. That's the part that gets me the most, just because... But it's yours. Whatever you choose to do with it, you'll be great. <laughs> and, um, yeah. The, the reason why I love this scene so much is because of that line, because I actually had a similar conversation with my dad. Uh, it was in my senior year, and I called him during school to tell him, like, because uh, I was applying for colleges. And later on that night, we were kind of talking about it, and he says... You know, if you want to go to college, go to college. If you want to work, go to work. But, you know, you have you have talent, David, and I want to help you however way I can to, like, <laughs> to get you what wow. you need to be in. This part, that scene almost gets me into tears. See, that, that's getting me. That, that real story is getting me, and then also the scene is getting me, too. I was watching this just last night, again, as I mentioned, and uh, it got me, got me real good, but, you know, I don't know if you need to hear this, but you really are, though. I mean, I, I have seen a lot of your work, um, and you are really good. Um, and I think it might have been on one of our message boards, but I think uh, your sister and I were also just like, imagine one day like you're like a fucking Pixar animator, just like, <laughs> oh my fucking God. We would so take advantage of that, by the way. <laughs> so it's just so you know, that's ever a thing, but we would. But... um yeah, I mean, I, but I just feel like that's the sad thing is everybody that ever lived needs to hear that. You know, they need to hear those words and mm-hmm. far too many people just never will. Um so yeah, it 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 really does, you know, mm-hmm. touch something. And and if you recall, this was the scene that I the, that I singled out. I think um in the in the second part of the decade show when we when we brought up into the spider-verse it was that scene that we just saw with the father and the son 
that I singled out and praised for yes. why I feel that, that this movie was the, the best example for why animation and superhero movies at its best can do. Mm. Um, so this is what I meant where they're great at like leading subtle things that lead up into great big things. So when he says you need to relax, that's why you're stuck. The reason why the glass breaks is because he is so afraid right now and it gets stuck into his fingers, but he just needs to get that push in him in order. And that's why it breaks. And, you know, we just missed it, but he's upside down, but we're seeing mm -hmm. that he's falling down, but we see that the city upside down and everyone knows this, but that's him not falling, but he's rising. Right, right, right. It's so great. It's so good. Yeah. Sure, I think they even had that like as a, uh, uh, a storyboard. Like they had that right there written. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what I heard. And yeah, they, 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 Lord, Lord said in the commentary that two things that that scene was like, you know, Miles is falling, but rising at the same time. And that, that, that image was one of the few things that went directly from the storyboard and never changed into the yeah. final version of this movie. Yeah. Um, right here when, so we're basically going through everything that he just went through, like passing yeah. by like the cemetery, that bank right there, we, that was like the first place where he wanted to leap off of, I think. Mm -hmm. And then the scene before it, when he goes, woo, that building we saw it there where he was falling down going, no, nah, or like going, ah, and again. So like, it's just all these callbacks and perfect ending to yeah, his origin wow. story. Just slap his comic. And like, we're By done. the way, I laugh so hard. These, why the fuck are they on a bus? <laughs> like, what the fuck? And like, like, what? Because they're gonna get tired on the way. <laughs> I mean, but it's like you just imagine all the people like, what the fuck is going on? Mm. No, man. I, I look. Yeah, great analysis. Great analysis about all the stuff that happened, and on it is so easy to miss. It really is. I feel like if you're just like watching it like once and never see it again, but there's just so much detail that is underneath the surface. It's so good. Yes, I love this joke. It's like, it can't be that easy, can it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. It's like little. Uh... <laughs> I really like this scene just because of. Right there, just that line that Gwen says. Yeah. Like she, I like how she's the responsible one in that situation. She's the grown-up, really. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Fucking Jake Johnson really was perfect for this. Like, oh, my God. How dramatic it, it gets. It's it's like the dichotomy, right? It gets more dramatic for him, but the, the more dramatic he gets, the funnier it is for us. Mm -hmm. All because of bread. I was... I should have been there for you, and I let you down. They <laughs> deserve. And it's subtle too, but I love how the the background characters are blurred out, as you mentioned earlier before. Yeah. But it's just it's, oh my gosh.
Sleep. <laughs> the heck? I should have mentioned it before, but I do like the design of the collider itself. I mean, mm. when it even when it's turned off, it's just like it's it's just huge in scale, you know. Mm. Uh, I, it is impressive. I think we talked about this when it first came out, or maybe I heard it. I don't know, but I kind of like how you can't really tell the the scope of the collider because, like, right now it look yeah, it looks huge, but then like as the whole the whole multiverse is colliding into the into the collider. <laughs> you, know, you see buildings popping out, and it's kind of like, how yeah, big is this yeah. place? Uh, right, right. I kind of like how they mess with space in this situation. Right. Which, again, it's like, it's one of the freedoms the animation lends itself, you know? Mm-hmm. Especially because, again, uh, when we said in the beginning... There's so many colors popping out in this moment. Oh my god! I and feel like com- you, they're coming at you so quickly too. Yeah, and so I, I don't think you, you really can't do that in live action. At least I don't think so. It, it it wouldn't look this. It wouldn't be this immersive. I think one of the things that people also forget to you know acknowledge about animation is that you're just so immersed in it as well in this world. Um, and a lot of why animation can get away with so much that live action can't it's just the use of color <laughs> you know one of the one of the best sequences that's ever been made is the opening sequence of beauty and the beast with Belle, um and she's the only one wearing blue and it, it, it you know the use of color and, and the and which colors to use certain characters and what colors not to use with others you know makes it much it, it pops a lot more mm-hmm. like one of the things in, in, in any film right like um in the movie hugo Literally, every, the only colors that are used, it's like a warm blue and then a a dark brown. Mm. That's it. In every single sequence. Yeah. <laughs> Do I want kids? <laughs> there are the Ditko dots. Yeah. And there's Vanessa and Richard. Um... Day. <laughs> Every direction. Uh, oh, um, Maz's costume. I love the way they came up with it. Like how he created it, and uh, mm. they used his artistic side to right, to right, uh, recreate the costume basically and make it his own. Uh, it's so great. <laughs> Guys, are you seeing? Yeah, we're trying to see it. <laughs> it does look cool, though. <laughs> oh God, they 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 their ba- their personalities bounce off so well off each other, you know. So I don't know if you noticed it, but when uh, Nick Cage uh, punched that guy, it said applesauce. Yeah. Apparently, that's like a ba- that's a cuss word that was used like during his time. But like, are you kidding? It, it me? was it, it, it's an actual customer that we used during uh, I guess in what is it World War Two? He's fighting Nazis. Oh right? my god! Yeah, I love this right here. Yeah, I love how he just goes apeshit. You got a problem with cartoons, pal? <laughs> look how look at this. Oh my 
my god he, i love that moment um, he made him such a badass and right look at this shit like <laughs> don't mess with the fucking card <laughs> damn <laughs> oh god and um this should be you know because i think they established it. it is emotional because this is what penny this is all that penny had left of her father right yeah the robot i actually missed that part first watching it so i'm kind of like why is she crying yeah like why yeah. does she care so but now knowing that it's uh yeah it's pretty sad dang yeah that's the last thing she has left of her dad so that's why she's like i like your suit <laughs> that was adorable <laughs> oh god they work so well off each other man it's so great i love how they all get like a punch at fucking um doc ock mm-hmm. i love how they build up like her coming back yeah and then she literally gets run over by a fucking truck. <laughs> I love his reaction. It's like, oh my god, no. And then everything he learned just comes together right here. Mm-hmm. Watch the hands. And then just the recreation of... What happened previously when yeah. we first met. Peter Parker. <laughs> It looks great. What the fuck? But... Was that a dolphin sound? Yeah. Okay. I was just like, okay. Yeah, I actually just noticed that. Or first time noticing it. <laughs> Weird. Me too. I was like, what the fuck did that come from? Yeah. Oh, this is this is actually kind of sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even the music like builds it up too. Yeah. Oh, I love all their goodbyes here. <laughs> it's so yeah, hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm actually sad. This is coming to an end. Yeah. What the fuck? I want to see more Nick Cage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I really do. I love how the fucking like spider jumps up. Um, that really did feel anime. I love you. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> this is so funny. This is oh my god. It's so great. That's all. Can he legally say that? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh my god! I was hilarious. thinking the exact same thing. How did they get away with that? Yeah. Like that's fucking like um, Porky Pig from Warner Brothers Looney Tunes. Mm-hmm. I, I get, they had to ask the permission to do that, right? I'm pretty sure they did. <laughs> so that's pretty iconic. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It feels like I don't know. I don't know though. I mean, it, it's it's Porky Pig. Yeah. It's sure. the Looney Tunes. I mean, they're not as, you know, they're not mainstream anymore, but they're still, like, 
prolific as far as like you know mm-hmm. the history of all of pop culture is concerned oh, so yeah. it's like I mean, people know what the looney tunes are even though if they're not as popular today mm-hmm. which by the way there's more looney tunes coming a new looney tunes uh i think series of cartoons on hbo max so oh yeah <laughs> and then here um miles inter- intercedes and um forces peter to go back to his dimension yeah and really, it's like Peter's like, yeah, I don't want to go back. Yeah. <laughs> he almost yeah. like, he willingly, you know, we kind of, you know, glided past it. But like earlier, like he made the choice to basically die because he has like nothing to live for mm-hmm. <laughs> in some dark way. You know, it's not out- outwardly said, but that's kind of the implication there. But then Miles gives him a reason to live again. Yeah. It's just... You got to go home, man. Yeah. It just a great like full circle of this yeah. whole thing and then uh, of course, I mean, the voice acting come on yeah. the voice acting is so great everything is real great god i can't stop gushing about this movie i know uh i love this part right here just because you know i think he says it you're alone now or something like that and yeah it, it does intensify it like oh shoot it's just him now and you know his peter parker got killed by kingpin yeah it's, like um there's a part there's a poor um this is pretty oh yeah this right here they both get on the train and um literally like history repeats itself for kingpin because he's fighting spider-man on the train and then i guess the alternate versions of vanessa and richard walk in on him again beating Mm -hmm. up spider-man and in the commentary track by the way you're you're seeing all the different like realities collide here so it keeps like flickering back and forth but in the commentary track phil lord was saying that you know this is just um uh kingpin failing to learn from his mistakes again and again and again he's just caught in this loop hmm. that's dang that's isn't that deep like it's like <laughs> shit like you don't notice that shit yeah. like, again for, it's it's right there the entire time uh-huh oh, god they're so good like <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, you can see why this won an Academy Award. I mean, for as much stock as you want to put Academy Awards these days, but mm-hmm. that was well-deserved. Yeah, no, I, it's still deserved Best Picture. I mean, everything that we talked about from the char- acting, the character right. arcs, the animation. Like, How amazing would that have been, this movie getting a Best Picture nomination? Oh, like, my God. Just a nomination. Crap. Like, I don't mind if it didn't. Like, I should have. It should have won, but if it's just a nomination, it... It really showed. It would. Really a nomination is a win for an animated movie because there's only ever been like three yeah. that have been nominated for Best Picture, two from Pixar and one from Disney Animation. Mm-hmm. This is just wow. That's Daredevil right there. <laughs> so many Ditko dots. Yeah, that was, that's the fucking opening sequence of Daredevil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they did that on purpose or no? Actually, I don't think so. Just because. I think they're using the red to make it intense and yeah, it's red and black and mm-hmm. it's all closing in here. Oh, so Miles withstands the the same attack that Peter Parker couldn't, mm-hmm. which is interesting from, from the earlier on in the movie because basically he gets his fist together and he fucking like beats the shit out of him yeah. or the life out of him, but then Miles survives that. Well, actually. 
Peter Parker already had like a building dropped on him by then. That's right. So <laughs> <laughs> that's right, and a goblin basically. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure he was just a bit a bit weak. He might be a bit stronger than him though too, just because mm. there was that scene where uh, they go to the lab and he punched a rock and it just like breaks in half. I don't know if yeah. you remember. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know Peter Parker's strength, but he could be stronger. It could be. Yeah. I mean, he does have a different power set, of course. Mm. Um, the lightning and the invisibility. So I think an implication certainly could be that he is technically stronger than Peter Parker was Yeah, in this movie. <clears throat> I also like how... Get up, Spider-Man! Get up, Spider-Man! <laughs> think of the fucking homecoming thing. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, I also like how they didn't use his powers much, like the invisibility and the lightning. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yes, yes. You know, I, I did, it didn't even occur to me until you mentioned it, but yeah, they could have easily like gone all the way. Like they could have gone all X Men with it, right? With all the damn like the sh- the the <laughs> the until like now, right? But yeah. like it's it's very <sighs> they don't blow their load basically. Yeah, you know, like it's it's very much used for big moments mm-hmm. like this. And I mean, I don't know how it's used in the comics, but they could have easily just been like he shoots lightning, like with the flick of his wrist at someone or something. Right. But no, they just kept it at a minimum. I love the music in this part right here. Yeah. Especially because like, it kind of like gets, intensifies more and more, and mm-hmm. he sees the whole multiverse basically in his eyes. Oh, it's such a great scene. Like this movie is so good that if the same people come back and do a sequel, I, I honestly might get so excited for that. Oh my gosh. What can they do though? Like, I don't know. <sighs> I don't know. But I mean, if anybody could do it, it's them, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I never thought like, I mean, well, what do you do for a Knives Out 2? Well, that Knives Out didn't already, I mean, you can do another setting, right? But like, how could it be as good as the first? True. Who could do it? Ryan Johnson could probably, you know, solve that. So mm-hmm. sometimes it, it has to be just given in the right hands for it to be work workable, but mm. we'll see. I mean, yeah, I, I, it is hard to see a sequel living up to this, right? But yeah. however rare it is, it, it's been done before, and it could be done again. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the same. It's what happened with um Lego Movie, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so it was almost impossible to live up to the first one, and you know the second one. I think we both agreed it was fine. Just, I almost see the second movie as a as a third movie because I I include Lego Batman. That's right, yeah. And I really do like Lego Batman. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Lego Movie Two is okay, good, but I it, really weak compared to the other two movies. Yeah. But Lord and Miller didn't necessarily return for that film. They didn't direct the movie. Mm-hmm. But they are doing Spider Verse Two. I can't answer that question because I don't know. Yeah. And theoretically speaking, we probably won't know because, you know, COVID-19. Yeah. So it, it'll be a while before we even see the damn thing. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. I love this right here, like, um, that Miles is, like, so excited and heartened when his dad, like, says, maybe we could, like, go to some place and you like i can let you graffiti and like he runs to him basically and hugs him and all that and tells him that he loves him as spider-man <laughs> like look how moved he is by that <laughs> I love it. it's like it's like see you later off he wants to cry it's like oh my god like holy shit yeah. i gotta go 
I love how he pops up though too. <laughs> oh, right there, he said C-Mobile. I think it's supposed to be T-Mobile. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Get just a That's little funny. <laughs> changes, little touches like that. Yeah. <laughs> I love this. I look forward to working. <laughs> What is he supposed to like a, a typical New Yorker accent? Like, what is? I don't know. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. I love how yeah he like I love you, and then he's like, "What?" <laughs> I feel like the dad's gonna find out uh, probably in the second one. That would be good. Yeah. Especially if he keeps like putting his own. Art oh, style David! You know, David, I I can't let this go because there was something I should have mentioned earlier on with that. You know, that that big scene we mentioned with the dad coming over to talk to Miles when mm. he's tied up in the chair. That nearly didn't happen like that. You know what was so drastically different about it? What? It was actually studio, uh, Sony studio president Tom Rothman who suggested that that be the dad. But originally, the writers had not the dad come talk to Miles, but it was uh, Aunt May. And Tom Rothman said to them, it should have been the dad because it just, it doesn't feel, it, the emotional weight just does not equal what, I mean, it's nice coming from Aunt May, mm-hmm. but Aunt May is not someone significant to Miles. Yeah. So sh- it, it might've been one of those different things where like, that might've been maybe more potent for the audience, but not for the character, which is what, that's a theme we talked about in yesterday's recording of the Rise of Skywalker audio commentary. Mm-hmm. You were saying, I'm sorry? Uh, no, as, as I was going to say, like, I really like what they did with um, Aunt May and having her be mm-hmm. waiting in the lab. Because I feel right. like, because she knew he was coming. And yeah. I always thought, how does she know? And my first thought was, I think she just trusts her Peter Parker in that he believed in him. So she'll believe in him. Yeah. Yeah. The song again. It's just like, that was, I think that may be my favorite scene in the movie that both of you and I shared that moment. And it's like, it's crazy to think that didn't almost didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. That's insane. Isn't it? It's one of the Um, good times the studio medals. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You you hope though, that that's a sign that, that Sony is changing because Mm -hmm. one of the things that, you know, and this gets into a little bit more of film politics, but like what I have noticed is in the last two years, the quality of Sony movies has been improving. Mm. Um, like they got um, Quentin Tarantino. So once upon a time in Hollywood was a Sony film. Um, Little women was released by Sony. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, there's a lot of they're They're at a point where they're beginning to release some actual good shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Whereas like, for a long time, all they released was shit. So it's a nice change of pace. Yeah. <laughs> and we should know, I mean, um, Phil Lord, who wrote and directed this, and then Chris Miller, who also was his his, his main partner in, in co-writing and, and directing movies and also, but in this case, he was producing only. Like, they've done such great, like, they're like, they're the homeboys for Sony. Like, mm-hmm. all the stuff, like, you think of... um. Um, Cloudy of the Chance of Meatballs, 21, 22 Jump Street, um, and now this. Lego Movie was um, with Warner Brothers. But um, 
Yeah, it just like it almost makes me just what the fuck was Kathy Kennedy thinking firing those guys? Like, oh, yeah, God, like I know. I I understand that maybe that that Lord and Miller were not making the movie that they originally agreed upon, but mm-hmm. like when you look at the track record of those two Everything they make turns to gold, is what I said. Like, yeah. and, but except solo because they were fired, and then the film was reshot. And I wonder why. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my god! Yeah. Like, I think it was just the pressure for her. And like, I'm sure she keep just keeps hearing over and over. Like, this isn't Star Wars. This isn't Star Wars. And well, now she's like hearing it clashed. It. From what I understand, Lord and Miller, their personalities clashed with Lawrence Kasdan. Who's Star Wars royalty? Because Kasdan wrote screenplays to Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, Indiana Jones, and um, and Force Awakens, and of course Solo. Which, like the people, who, like it was interesting, right? Because I think what Lord and Miller were not in charge of writing the movie. It was Lawrence Kasdan and his son who were the writers, and I think what was happening is that Lawrence Kasdan was especially pissed because Lord and Miller would basically just do improv improvisational changes on the set, which they must've been pretty drastic because, and that's pretty normal for any movie to do. I mean, it doesn't have to be entirely faithful to the page. Like there are a lot of, you know, commentaries that I've listened to with directors who've actually been very open. Oh, the, <sighs> real superhero. Because that is the right thing to do, and yeah, R.I.P. Stanley. Um, yeah, um, yeah. It, it was an interesting situation, and I really do wonder what the what the real occasion was. But like, I think what what everything that we've seen suggests is that a solo film that was directed by Lord and Miller would have been great. And I said this before. You, I think you can see the differences between their direction and the new directors, just because. I feel like there's, 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 and, 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 and who, uh, I don't know who the other director who replaced Ron him. Howard, Ron Howard, uh, the one that replaced him with. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I feel like you could see the differences because, oh yeah, there's parts that were just great action scenes and great acting moments really for me. I feel like that was them because <laughs> I like the beginning. I really like the beginning of the, of the movie with that chase scene mm-hmm. and I feel like that was them. It know. might have been, yeah. It's just like, and we don't want to turn this into a review of Solo, obviously. Mm. Um, we have a commentary on that going up soon. But it's, um, Alden Ehrenreich was so underrated in that role. I actually liked him as Han Solo, and I feel like if they had the direction of Lord Miller, that would have been something, I don't know. It, it, it's just a mystery, that movie, and yeah. what it ended up being. But, um... They they were vindicated because guess who won an Oscar and who didn't? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After that mess happened. Oh my god. <laughs> they should get another hashtag going of the Lord and Miller cut of solo. <laughs> the Lord and Miller. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm pretty sure Kathy burned those uh those film strips. Um <laughs> because you know, they reshot the film I think completely. I mean not entirely. Yeah. Some stuff that Lord and Miller shot remained in the movie but like the reshoots were far more extensive than people originally thought when they were first announced mm. one of the big things that was just great was when it was announced that um benioff and wise from game of thrones were no longer working on the star wars uh trilogy that they were you know supposed to be developing i think it was 
Phil Lord that tweeted, yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh boy, I, I I love those stories. Like, just like there's some juicy stuff going on there that I really want to like, you know, pull the string on and see like what happened. But yeah, yeah. As far as this movie's concerned, a genuine surprise. Um, just a, a beautiful movie, a great movie in every single aspect of what it was made for, and um the kind of superhero film that I really wish we would get more of. Mm-hmm. Um, nah, I, to me, it, it rivals the best Spider-Man movie. Um, and it is without question, one of the best films of the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. No, nah, I, I honestly think this is like a perfect movie. Just, yeah. n- I, I can't say anything wrong with it. Um, if anyone does dislike it, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's how universally loved it is, though. I mean, this, yeah. it's, uh, it, <laughs> yeah, and I mean everybody, everybody on our team loves this fucking movie. One of the things I should mention before we close is, um, I think more so than Homecoming, and definitely Far From Home, is the soundtrack. Like, mm-hmm. what I really do love about the original Brainy trilogy. They all had great soundtracks. Um, and this kind of, you know, lives up to that. Like, this has an amazing soundtrack. Like, all the songs that were used um, in pushing the story forward in the movie. Uh, not just Sound Sunflower, but other songs like, you know, Mi Familia, Memories, Invincible, Elevate, um, Hello Dark... Uh, not Hello, I mean, <laughs> Hello Danger, whatever it was. What's up, Danger? Um, there's so many... Yeah, what's up, Danger? Yes, yes. Um, just wonderful, wonderful soundtrack that is just so like simpatico with the DNA of this movie. Like the the score and the soundtrack really do no pun intended elevate <laughs> just the damn like style of this movie and the pace of the movie. Um. Really, it's just like all of the departments just coming together to make a work of art. And it's really hard to criticize and take issue with just about anything in this movie. I think the only thing that we had maybe a semblance of an issue with is that at times in our original viewings of the film, that there were in the third act especially, that there were moments that maybe it went, it went too far. and like Because <laughs> there were moments where we couldn't tell what the fuck was going on. Yeah. Maybe there. But... Right. It, an amazing movie. It was still entertaining. That last, yeah, the third yeah, act. yeah. So <laughs> it's a, more of a nitpick, if we had to say. Yeah, if anything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but good for Sony. Good for Sony Animation. Good for Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> God, what a game changer! It really is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you only do hope that this is the beginning of a new era, right? Not just like a one-off in the sense that. And not just for this franchise, but like, you know, as far as like superhero movies, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, you got this one and you also got Joker. I mean, I know you you have your complaints about it, but... But, but Joker was... No, but... As, I mean, what you were saying? Well, like, just to sort of like let other studios, you know, push the way they tell right, their stories. Right. Not just like, hey, let's make a big, mm-hmm. big action set piece right here. Like, no, just yeah. keep it... You can keep it... Um, 
like just keep it low. Like I said, Kingpin's whole you know, even though he's basically destroying the whole multiverse, his thing mm-hmm. was just he wanted his fa- his family back. You don't need to destroy the whole world. <laughs> right, like, just the because... template is definitely there. It's yeah, I mean I agree with you. Like uh, yeah, I don't care for Joker all that much, but I think the concept of what that movie did is what I want to see more of mm-hmm. in terms of taking certain comic characters and doing just something different and interesting with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the what, what, what Joker is, I feel, is the template for what other movies can do going forward, yes. as well as into the Spider-Verse. So that's where I'm, I'm hopeful. Um, oh. This next decade, what is this? What, that? Yes. Oh, uh, <laughs> just there after credit scene, I guess. I don't know if it's like a possible a tag for the next movie or something yeah, i don't know but what is this supposed to be it's a different spider-man or some sort yeah it's oh, who's voicing him oh it's uh poe isn't it that says the voice oscar isaac i think so let me see yeah it is oscar that, that, that's poe yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so i think i think it's just to add one last joke and one last reference to past spider Spider-Man stuff. Because you get this. <laughs> this fucking meme. <laughs> I'm from... <laughs> what is this, man? This is just... Oh my god, that's great! Yeah, all those things and more. Mm-hmm. A film that gets better with every single viewing. Yeah, if you're out there, listen to just watch the movie, watch it again for the rest of your life. Yes, that's all I got to say. Um, any last thoughts, David? Um, I also would like to see the other studios in this type of animation i would love to see a batman beyond in this except style. they can't anymore i know <laughs> except they can't i mean that's one of the, the weird things is that where they all drop the ball is where um disney was the first i think to use this animation with one of their short films however once spider-man into the spider-verse like went all big and everything as far as its success uh sony was like fuck you yeah we're trademarking that shit <laughs> So it's exclusively Sony's now. I say take the chance and <laughs> I say take a chance and like just get them to crash extra cash and do it because again, a Batman Beyond with this, that style of animation, it would have worked mm, perfectly. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. Anything else? No, that's it. That's all I want to say. Well, with that, thank you, David. I really uh, am happy with how this commentary turned out. Uh, you, you really brought a lot of great insight to the film, and my love for it has only grown mm-hmm. as a result through all of this. And thank you all for listening. We have more commentaries coming at your way. Um, Endgame, Infinity War, Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker, um, so many others. Thank you all for listening. Stay out of the spotlight, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye.